On 88.3 Southern FM, this is Beyond the Boundary. It is indeed. Good morning to wherever you are listening around Bayside and Greater Bayside area. This is Beyond the Boundary for for Sunday. Sorry, I'm so used to doing a Friday afternoon show. Sunday morning. I'm Tomo filling in for Big Boy Carbianco and joining me today and also next week as well, the great man himself. He is a man about town, I should say, around the local footy traps around the Southern Football Netball League. I speak of the bug, Wayne Fuller. Bug, good morning. Morning, Tomo. Morning, listeners. Thanks for having me back on. No worries. Well, what can you say about the Southern Football Netball League? We've got two big guests coming up. This morning, and uh, they'll be playing off in the grand final next week. Well, yes, coming up on the show later on, we have the Cheltenham coach, Des Ryan, as they enter the grand final next week. And soon after Des on the radio, we'll have Shane Morwood, whose team Dingley yesterday had a good win over East Malvern, and they make themselves into the grand final again. And Des and Shane are two former teammates at Frankston in the VFA days. Absolutely, and also we got uh, Aaron Fetter from the VFL. He's going to talk about yesterday's prelim final between Richmond and Port Melbourne. Congratulations to the Tigers for getting through to the grand final, being Port Melbourne in a really good game. And I'm also going to share my interview I did with uh, Matthew Cox, who does a lot of stuff with the VFLW, and spoke to him earlier this morning about this afternoon, this morning's game between the Southern Saints and Collingwood. But joining us right now, Bug, is one man who'd be pretty happy that for the first time in the club's history, they've had a tied BNF. It's never happened in Sandy's long history, and they've got a brand new coach as well after Aaron Hamill decided to step down and move into assistant coaching for Brett Radden St Kilda next season. I speak of the one and only CEO of the Sandringham Zebras. They've been fantastic over the course of the 2019 season. David Knitzo, Nitz, welcome to the show. Yeah, morning, Tomo. Morning, Bug. Thanks morning, for Dave. Me. And great to um, great to be able to actually speak. Um, voice has only come back in the last couple of days, so that's pleasing. Why? Well, what's happened? But, Have I missed something oh, no, in the last no, week or two? Just a quiet, just a quiet weekend last weekend, Bug, as you know. <laughs> um, but we're not here to talk about Division Four <laughs> Southern. Give him a plug. Come on, mate. Congratulations. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, um, Carl told me to uh, mention something to you about body errors. Uh, yes, fair bit of fun last weekend. It was. Um, it did make for a challenging week, though. I tell you, um, we had a. You know, as as this time of year is, there's lots of um, awards nights, and and um, I didn't have a lot of voice, so it was a bit difficult when we had to kind of present awards and things like that. And as you mentioned, none better than Friday night. Can you believe that? Ninety years it's taken um, to have um, you know dual best and fairest winners, and it's kind of something that's pretty difficult to do. You've got three three coaches each week that give six five four three two one, and they give they can allocate whatever more votes they wish based on how they've seen those players' performances. And, um, yeah, there you have it. Brendan White and um, Brady Seckel, our captain, uh, drew 87 apiece and um, and shared the best and fairest, Neil Bencroft, best and fairest, from Friday night. And how shocked were the players when they found out that there was a tie in the BNF on Friday nights? 
Yeah, look, these type of things, naturally, club administration knows, so we try to orchestrate a pretty exciting count. And look, everyone's favourite going into the night was actually Sam Fox. And um, he'd, um, he hadn't pulled that well early, but we, we everyone knew that he had a great second half of the year as he really built that conditioning. And he, um, he, he led for a little bit, he came home strong. And Brandon Watt was also... Um, uh, had a strong period of leading through the middle part of the year that didn't look like Brady was going to get him. And um, the last two rounds, uh, we put up the leaderboard. It was pretty close between the three of them. And then um, and then we, we kind of then read out the votes. And for those that were paying attention, they pretty much knew that there was joint winners. Um, and that kind of it became apparent when we presented um, Sam Fox, the runner-up. So they're like, oh, maybe we've missed this. And yeah, then anyway, it was presented. And the both boys were very happy and... Um, yeah, it was a great night. And for the reasons you've mentioned, we had a fair bit happening on the night. We had, obviously, um, the dual winners. We had um, the announcement after our main meal break. We we had Brady and um, Sammy Hamill up to just review the year. And then the question was asked of Sammy at the end, so what? after two years, what, where does that leave you? And he said, no, I'm taking on a role with, um, with Brett Radden, effective immediately, um, and he'll be stepping away from Sandy. And um, and he announced Ben McGlynn as the new head coach of Sandringham, and um, and then at that at that point we we invited Ben to come up on stage, and we had an opportunity to hear from him, and he he gave his views and just gave his address to the room, and look, we're really excited about Ben. Ben's with us for three years now as an assistant, <clears throat> and he's a, he's just such an impressive young fella, um, and he's a local, and he's very very kind of aware of the alignment model. He did it for those that know, he did it the hard way a bit. He was rookied off Box Hill um, as VFL listed when he first cracked into the AFL system. Got drafted to Hawthorne as a rookie and then and then obviously then went on to Sydney as we know. So um, he's going to be fantastic. We're really excited by him and we know him so well because he's been part of us for three years now. And with Jake Batchelor and Nathan Lovermurray still making up that assistant coaching, would that mean maybe Batch or Lovermurray would be the senior assistant coach under Ben McGlynn next season for Sandy? Yeah, yeah, not not yet confirmed. Um, definitely Batch will be uh, continuing. We know that. Um, Nat Rat, uh, we'll just wait and see. Look, he's got a part-time role with Saints, so um, he would like to and we would like him to. It's just a matter of given that, you know, he's, he's got a few part-time gigs with a school and also St Kilda. Um, we'll see how that plays out for him and what, what's in um, his interest. But he's been fantastic. He really made the bench this year. He took over from... Goose, Matty Maguire last year, and it's just fantastic having that that unbelievable AFL experience on the bench when you've got you know so much going on on a match day. So we, but there might be one more added. But the other one is Adrian Connolly. So he's been he's obviously employed by Sandringham, um, but he's been uh, taking a community role for the last couple of years. This year he stepped up and took on the forwards, and he did an amazing job. So um, we're really really pleased with his contribution. He's been with us for three or four years now. So. We're just in a. We're very lucky with the people that we've got involved, but we may add one more, as you've as you've suggested. And what are you doing now with the players list? Ah, uh, good, good question, Bug. We we had exit interviews immediately after the the last home and away game, um, and that went really well. Some really some really um, clear feedback for everyone. Um, we come back to pre-season middle of November. Most of the boys will come back then. Some of the older list will come back a bit later. But where we're at at the moment is we're really... Um, we've given... For the guys that we think need to do a bit more work, we've given them some really clear um, goals yep. when they come back to pre-season. 
but the but the real part is recruitment. Um, we've identified that. We're, this is the third year where we've averaged um, a really high number of VFL listed players each week, uh, and so in in reverse, a, very, a really low number of AFL St Kilda listed players each week. We can't. Um, I suppose we can't keep relying on or hoping that um, the St Kilda list stays healthy for us to perform to the level best, we need yeah. to. Yeah, so we need to take control. We've identified that. They might have read a piece in the last week from Paul Amy. I had a good chat with him and shared um, our review and our strategy. So we're just tweaking some things in our administration. Um, we're really trying to take this club forward. My focus since I've been here has really been around um, improving all areas, but in particular uh, commercial and, and obviously community engagement because I felt that that was a really important area that the club needed to get right. Yep. What, what the, What's probably... Um, what's probably not not um, not being diluted, but just being stretched a little bit too far, is the, the footy side of things. And, and the reality is, we've asked a lot of our ops manager Josh Vella to do all of that. So we're, what we're trialling at the moment is him focusing on just footy and recruitment for these particular next two months, and we're pulling out a lot of the other important parts of the role that he oversees. He doesn't necessarily do it all, but he oversees membership and merchandise and um, events, and not that he delivers it all, but he, but. The, the reality is that's stretching him quite a bit. So we're pulling that out. Um, he's really doing a great job with recruitment at the moment. We've had a number of player meetings already over the last few weeks. A few more will, will happen over the next few weeks now that VFL finals finish, targeting a lot of local um, footballers. I was going to say that. And, yeah, there's even yeah, there's yeah. a kid out at Dingley at the moment, young Christian Fee, and play with us this year in the interleague centre half back. There's a kid. You give, give him a buzz and get him down. Absolutely, and, and there's been examples of those others that we've seen over the years that have just benefited from it. You know, Wormsley and um, yes. Pete, to name a few. When I was at, you know, when Bug we were involved, and we saw it interleague and just the quality the uh, that they brought after they went through VFL programs for at least twelve months. And good blokes. So, yeah, we we need a few more of those. Mm, I think um, so. Middle twenty, middle mid twenties. Um, yeah, just to, to really give more depth to the list. And and Foxy's been, you know, he's a bit older again, but great he's story, been a isn't it? Example. Yep. Yeah, yeah, we well, remember Bug eleven yeah, years ago. He won the leading shooting star, and yeah. we talk about it a lot. But he's—I mean, that's such a such a positive story. And it just shows that um, it does sometimes take a bit longer for others to really develop and play at the level. But that's the focus at the moment. We top up a bit more in our Sandy list. Um, St Kilda are obviously uh, going to be pretty active in this trade period. We know that. We've already kind of seen that reported, and so we, we're really optimistic that. Uh, things are going to improve, and we. But but even if the worst case would happen and injuries were to strike again, and we like this year we had the highest number of VFL listed players in any aligned club. If that were to happen again, we should be able to absorb that based on what our plans are over the next few months and who we want to bring in. So you having a break? Or what are your plans now? What are, what are you up to? I uh, just uh, just still sipping out of the Premiership Cup, Mark. <laughs> just, um, just didn't get your nose. You didn't get your nose broken, did you? No, mate. No, um, that's did, right. We talked about this for the first time in um, <laughs> in my uh, career in a final. I didn't have something happen to me. Even in my, I won an under nineteen flag yeah. uh, fifteen years ago, and even in that, I got my nose um, oh. smacked across my face. I, I didn't break it, but I, I was off the ground four times during that game with the blood nose. So you're spot on. I yes. haven't had a good run. I know that. But um, uh, yeah, no. Well done. In all seriousness, yeah. it's going to be just a. Um, no, not taking a break uh, in the next couple of months anyway. It's yeah. just going to be keep chipping away at some of these things. Um, but as you know, our season's a little bit calmer pace. Mm. The, the deadlines are not as immediate, but there's a lot to do. For my role, there's a lot to do. Yep. And, and that really kind of is going to stretch between footy recruitment, um, commercial, um, and also um, just start our strategic planning process again in the next few months. So 
it's been a good couple of years. We've mm-hmm. really kind of bedded some things down, but we need to go again now. It's almost, um, someone shared with me recently a way of describing it. It's almost kind of our generational version 2.0 we're going into now for Sandy. We've done the first two years of what we wanted to tick off, and now we need to go again. <clears throat> and are you considering potentially splitting it up between Trevor Barker and maybe Morabba next season for the VFL too? Is that something you guys would love to do and play more games at Morabba next season? Yeah, yeah, good question. And this is something that came through really strong from our exit interviews with our players, that they want to see a greater level of integration with the Saints. Um, uh, it's obviously going really well um, to the point where we, we've been able to do things these last two years that we've never done before and just the representation of each other and on our websites, on our apparel, etc. But the players have said, no, we want more again. If we're going to get better, we need to tap into that, that facility at RSCA Park and their coaches more. So what some of the things that we'll do is, yep, um, up to three games at RCA Park next year, and I think that will probably happen. We'll have all three there. We'll also have a number of AFL St Kilda coaches rotate through and be involved um, with our group, either on training nights or on match day, which we haven't mm-hmm. really done before. They've, they've tended to come down and, and just observe from afar, but they're actually going to get involved, and not just with the St Kilda guys, with the VFL list of guys as well for their own development. What was so, what was so great in the back end of the year is Rats was... Caretaking, as we know, Saints, and he he came down and and he, I won't forget this. The game against Port Melbourne, our last home game, half time, he comes into the rooms, and I thought, oh yeah, you know, this is this is good. He's coming in, he's going to get around the Skilda guys, you know, as you would. Went straight to the VFL list of guys, and end up having a chat with you know young, I think it was at the time, but it might have been um, uh, maybe been Ryan Carroll or one of the one of the combiners yep. that had come out of our recruit this year, and um, and just yeah, got around all. The VFL list of guys and gave his, you know, he shared his wisdom there, which I thought was fantastic. So I think it's a sign of things to come, and we will just we will just look to change some things up again next year. Maybe a bit more recovery at Moorabbin, um, a bit, a few more captains runs like we did this year, um, but in conjunction with um, St Kilda, that that worked exceptionally well. Particularly when we both had Sunday games, we could do a Saturday morning session. Yep. Uh, but also with the girls, um, yeah. with the VFLW, I think that's going to go to another level again. We're going to look to do some joint sessions together and do some meals together on Thursday nights. You know, real local football. Yeah, get a, yeah, that's right. The community, that's fantastic. I love that's that. That's what idea. you want. Yeah. Yep. The girls um, have been amazing. We we just had two or three events this year with them. They've really driven that. They've just said, we've just got to do this together. And, and so the pleasing thing is now they know us, we know them. And I think that's where it's, that's where it's really going to... Get the fine tin out, David. You can get the fine tin out. You can get the fine... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey? Yeah, well, that's right. You know, it doesn't. Um, we've got a, the reality is they've uh, they've got uh, plenty of off season activities. Yeah. They're going to fund. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it should be good. But um, no, looking looking forward to this off season. In that, it's just again allows us to to reset and really tweak some of the things we think um, need to be tweaked, but but also consolidate some good stuff that's happened. There's been some really good things that have happened in our footy department that are not seen, and that that's really. It's taken our professionalism forward. Things that um, around just our analysis, our GPS, our, our oppo um, analysis, our our, um, our own uh, vision review, all of that type of thing that we didn't have a lot of, um, didn't have the right things in place, and now we do. So now it's about trying to get that recruitment and that list, list management part right. Well, Dave, thank you so much for joining us this morning. I know it's Boys' Day for you. I know you're going to be uh, enjoying some time with the Nintendo Switch and your two sons. I know that uh, they're currently occupying themselves, so we'll let you get back into it. But on behalf of everyone at Southern FM, Beyond the Boundary, um, the Professor, and 
everyone. Thank you so much for the unprecedented access you gave us in season 2019 with Sandy, with coaches, players before game day, on Beyond the Boundary, even during the game as well. We cannot thank you enough, and we can't wait to do it again in 2020. Yeah, thanks, Tom. I couldn't agree more. It's been um, it's been a great step forward this year, and I think we've been able to kind of set a new benchmark around, you know, uh, exposure and coverage of the VFL. And um, I can't thank uh, yourself and the whole team without naming everyone. It's been um, it's always difficult when you build things for the first time, and it's not new for Southern to call footy, but but VFL footy is the next next level again. So I think it was done professionally, and um, and importantly, it gave people access they weren't already getting. So thank you. No worries at all. David Canizzo, CEO of Sandy Ham. He's fantastic. I absolutely love what he's done with Sandy Ham. And it was good for us to get that unprecedented access. And you guys even got quite a bit. You got to have Aaron Hamill on the show. You had Jake Batchelor at one point in time as well. You had a few players too. And you must be over the moon on the partnership between Southern FM and... Fantastic, yeah. What Beyond the Boundary has done and Sandy Ham too. Live games on a Sunday and listening to it and um, all the media outlets too. So... Hopefully it gets bigger and better next year for local local football in the VFL. The crowds are up. People are going down to watch St Kilda. More games at Marabin. Fantastic. Exposure on Channel 7. Can't wait for it. It's going to be a good next season. Hopefully some of them can, again, do a lot more stuff with what they've done over the course of season 2019. We will do your favourite segment very, very shortly, Bug, which is inside the four walls. (laughs) I I know you've got a few things you you would love to say (laughs) and all that. We'll take maybe we'll take a short break because I just want to get you a bit more composed. If that's all right, just before we uh, get to it. So on the other side of this, I'm going to head it over to the great man, the bug. is going to lead us for a bit of inside the four walls. You're listening to Beyond the Boundary here on Southern FM. More with Bug and Tomo between now and midday. After this. Welcome back to Beyond the Boundary for your Sunday morning. Tomo filling in for old mate Carlos, who's taking a well-deserved vacay over in Europe at the moment. And, uh, oh, in he's Europe? sitting back, having a few cold ones, and oh. hopefully he's <laughs> listening to us uh, <laughs> via, I think the TuneIn app as well has mm-hmm. us on their phone, which is always good. But Bug, I'm going to hand past this over to you now, because it's now time for... On Beyond the Boundary. We know within the four walls of the club, once you're inside those four walls... Inside the four walls. As I say, the new ball is now yours. Well, I haven't done it for a couple of weeks, so I better get get into it. Inside the four walls, um, St Kilda City Football Netball Club have reappointed Matt Hoy for next season. Matty did a good job taking over from Rick Bean earlier on the season, and um, um, fantastic young coach, Matty Hoy, and I just hope... With their under-19 to play in a grand final next Saturday morning against Dingley. I hope they invest in their under-19 players because there's a lot of potential there for St Kilda City and I really hope next season those kids actually filter through and play senior football. So that's a good appointment at um, St Kilda City. Chris Lacey um, reappointed senior coach at the Frankston Dolphins down in Division 4. So they, they got to play finals and Chris is a very experienced coach, been around the traps in the Southern League. So again, being reappointed for the... His um, second season, which will be fantastic. Um, yesterday, we saw Bentley Football Netball Club store James Robinson play 250th game. Fantastic servant. Had a stint for a, um, a couple of years at Chelsea Heights. Got to play in a premiership at Bentley and Chelsea Heights. And unfortunately, got beat yesterday in the preliminary final against Mordellick by four points. But James kicked three goals, got in the best players. 
and I'd probably reckon he'd go around again next season, and he was a very dangerous player. So, um, well done. But the thing I noticed yesterday, they didn't have a banner for him. I thought oh, really? 250 games. Surely you'd have a banner yeah, for Yeah, he carried the kids out, and I was standing there. I thought, oh, they've got to have something for that's the great dis- man, that's but unfortunately... Disappointing. That's absolutely yeah, disappointing to hear. Yeah, but anyway, um, Gary Matlock, the great stalwarts on the um, show after us, sports fans. So that'll be... Um, that'll, That'll be good. Um, I'm hearing also inside the four walls at um, Noble Park in the Eastern League, a very, oh, very, me, very close to a point in their new senior coach. Not going to drop any names? Not going to no, drop no. any names. So, um, yes, yes. And I did hear yesterday too that uh, a well-known ex-St. Kilda footballer knocked back a Morning Peninsula job. So this time of the year, um, coaches are... On the move, clubs are looking for new coaches. Morty Alec and Hyatt are in the same boat at the moment. We start our interviewing process tomorrow night to get um, coaches, and you've got to get it right because it's a big investment in your club for the next couple of years. So, Absolutely. And you only have to look at the Cheltenhams and the um, the Dingleys. Stability. Beautiful stuff, Bug, as always. Uh, yeah. Inside the four walls, you are you, you like to lick your chops over every time. We oh, play that because they, you know exactly oh, what you're doing. That's what, plus, that's, that's what you get on the set day. You go to local footy and people come up to you and they've got rumours and innuendos and some are true, some are false, but that's part of it's local a bit of footy. Fun. It's all fun. You know, we you know, we used to, on the old show on the fifth quarter, we used to really we push it a bit, but it used to be, it's all fun. It yeah, doesn't absolutely. hurt anybody and it's a bit of banter to talk about on the Saturday afternoon. So, yeah, but I'll have some more during the week and next Sunday um, I'll line up again and get some more. So. Looking forward to it and you can definitely kick that from outside 50 in. Put it through the big six for sure. Oh. Earlier this morning, I spoke to VFLW's Matthew Cox, who spoke about the Western Bulldogs heading into the VFLW Grand Final. Next week, there's a doubleheader at Icon Park, where it'll be the VFLW Grand Final. And then after that, will be the VFL Grand Final. So they've decided not to play Marvel Stadium this season. They're going to go back to Icon Park, where they used to play a lot of their VFL Grand Final games back in the day. And I also spoke to Coxie about the Sun Saints and the Pies, who are due to take to the field in under an hour's time. Yes, good morning, Tomo. Uh, yeah, fit and firing on all cylinders, uh, preparing for a big day in the VFLW, preliminary final day coming our way in the not-too-distant future. In about an hour's time from now at Acon Park, which is the curtain raiser to the VFL game this afternoon as well between Williamstown and Essendon. And just quickly, how well has Port Melbourne's ground held up over the last couple of weeks, considering the weather that we had early on in the final series and that the ground's only recently been resurfaced. so It, it looks absolutely amazing. Yeah, all credit to the groundskeepers, the club, the council, everyone involved. Immaculate condition, as they like to call it, Coxie. Because put it this way, it wouldn't have been like that had it still been in the same state that no. it was prior to resurfacing at the end of last year. <laughs> well, we digress because there's an important prelim final in the VFLW. Next weekend is the grand final, which is also part of the double header at Icon Park. VFLW starting and then the VFL Grand Final itself. The Western Bulldogs last weekend, they got through to Grand Final and they're going to be taking on either the Magpies or the Southern Saints who the Magpies had a loss to the Bulldogs by two goals but the Southern Saints had a very comfortable win against Melbourne Uni. It's an intriguing preliminary final when you look at it because these are the two top two sides of the competition from the course of the 2019 home and away season. Collingwood, the minor premiers, they beat the Southern Saints uh, just a couple of weeks ago in the, the first week of finals. It's a, it's a different structure this year 
in the VFLW. They've gone with a top six, and it's a little all over the shot in terms of the, the mud map and the lines being drawn here, there, and I'll everywhere. Say, excuse my ignorance. Um, I didn't pay much attention last year, but what was the, the layup last season? Was it top four? Yeah, so in the last... Uh, so since 2016, when it was VFLW, when it changed from the old VWFL, we've had a top four, and even in the VWFL, I think it was also top four. Um, but this, so this is the first year we've got, uh, I think it's 13 sides in the competition now. There was a bit of a suggestion at the end of last year that potentially it should be opened up to more teams to compete in finals. So they've done that this year. The, the way that they've done it, so the top two played in the first week and get the double chance. So the Southern Saints got to play again last weekend in a must-win final. Uh, Collingwood played the Western Bulldogs and the winner of that went straight through the grand final. So Collingwood's had the, the double chances. That's why they'll be playing the Southern Saints again today after they played in the qualifying final, if you like, in the, the opening week. The Western Bulldogs are a curious case. I know we, we want to talk about the Southern Saints and their chances today. But the Bulldogs, for mine, I saw them earlier in the season, wasn't too convinced with the way that they were playing. They just seemed to be going through the motions a little bit, doing what they needed to do. They've come along in leaps and bounds in the last month and a bit. They've found some good form. It's been helped by some of their AFLW players coming back into the side. They probably haven't got them all back, so it'll be interesting to see who's selected for the grand final next weekend. But they're they're a curious case in terms of the fact that they probably haven't had the strongest of seasons. It's ebbed and flowed a bit. And... This is one of the clubs that still has a link back to the old VWFL days with the VU St Albans Spurs, who five, six years ago were about to fold. They were down the bottom of the ladder, struggling to get numbers and and volunteers. So the turnaround in that club to change from what was then the St Albans Spurs into the VU Western Spurs, develop an incredibly strong link with the Western Bulldogs, and now being a grand final, I guess it's a little different because we've got the AFLW influence, but the, you can trace that back still, which is fantastic. It's a feel-good story for the Western Bulldogs, and they've, as they've come in leaps and bounds over the last couple of years, being in the VWFL, now the VFLW. The Southern Saints, though, we do have to talk about them quite a bit. They are part of the Bayside community here at AA.3 Southern FM, and I've seen quite a bit of their games over the course of the year, calling the VFL coverage for Southern FM for the Sandy Zebras. They've been either the curtain raiser or the VFL game has been the curtain raiser and then the Southern Saints have been the game afterwards. How would you rate the Southern Saints' chances this morning against the Pies in about an hour's time? Yeah, look, I, we go back to the game that they played a fortnight ago and it was a low-scoring, dour affair. Yes, the weather may have contributed to what occurred that day. There were only four goals scored all up. 3-3-21 Collingwood to one straight six the Southern Saints. Now, for those two sides, that's completely different to how the season's being played. They're usually both a little more aggressive. They're looking for targets around the ground um, and pushing constantly just trying to push the ball forward. So it's that result in itself was, was interesting to see. Um, and the fact that Collingwood had so many um, more scoring shots, so six scoring shots to just one, for the Southern Saints. So they would be disappointed in that, knowing the firepower that they've got in the side, and they came out and showed that with a 15 scoring They could shot. have buried a hatchet then and there. They could have, and probably should have. Um, their performance against Melbourne University, who of course are aligned with North Melbourne, Tasmania Kangaroos last week, I actually tipped Melbourne University. I thought 
they had more experience. They seemed to have a better spine um, because the Southern, Southern Saints, as they head towards the AFLW next year as St Kilda, they've still got a very young list. They've got bits and pieces of experience, but it's still learning, it's still developing, still a little bit raw. So I thought the Muggers were going to get on top, um, but the Southern Saints did incredibly well. 10-5-65, defeating Melbourne University, 7 6 and on the other side of the equation, you had the Bulldogs defeating Collingwood 4-2, 26 to one 8 um, Understand uh, Bree Davey didn't play last week for Collingwood, so it'll be interesting whether she lines up for the side this weekend. Um, it, there's a lot of intrigue, and given that these were the top two sides of the competition throughout the home and away season, only one progresses now to the grand final. Should have been the grand final in your eyes and probably everyone's eyes as well, who've been keeping a keen eye on the VFLW over the course of the season. It, yeah. It, yeah. Well, these were the top two, as I said. Peter Sell doing an incredible job, a very famous name in women's football circles. Um, Penny Kula-Reed doing just as good of a job at Collingwood, won the minor premiership the last two seasons. So if they don't come away with a little bit of success, I think they'll be gutted, um, given just how well their home and away seasons have been the last two years. Um, this is going to be a cracking contest because Collingwood have AFLW talent. The Southern Saints have AFLW talent. Caitlin Greiser up forward for the Southern Saints is just something to watch. She's only incredibly young, early 20s, I think, or she might even still be in her late teens. Um, up forward, she can do anything. She's athletic. She's versatile. Exciting to watch. If they don't shut her down, and depending on what the weather's going to do today, um, that that could be the difference just the, the forward line potency. You've got Chloe Malloy up the other end. We all know what Chloe Malloy can do. Missed the AFLW season with injury, so she's got a bit of burning motivation to, to strive to do good things. Um, so I think it's going to come down to how both function going forward of centre and whoever's able to capitalise on the opportunities, given that they didn't have scoring opportunities uh, in their previous outing. I'm going to lean the way of Collingwood, again, to do with that experience. I think they've got a little bit more. It's the bottom six that worries me for both sides and how much they're held to account. They're probably the better two in the competition in terms of the strongest depth going down the list. Um, Plus, Collingwood have already had two chances in this final series so far as well. Yeah, so I think I think they'll get it done. I think it's going to be close. Um, preliminary final, in my opinion, uh, often better than the grand finals that come. Um, so this this is going to be a cracking game. And as you said, whoever wins will progress to the grand final at Icon Park next Sunday um, against the Western Bulldogs. And I might as well ask you one more question too. Peter Searle, she's about to take over as the inaugural St Kilda coach next season in the AFLW. You think she's ready to take that next step? Do you think a lot of the players at the Sutherland Saints are ready to take that next step next season when they play? Absolutely. So the the trajectory that the Southern Saints have been on the last two years, there's a great development pool and talent pool, if you like, down in the the, the region that you're broadcasting into for women's footy. It's been strong for many years. Seaford were an incredible side in the old VWFL divisional competitions um, and had a lot of talent coming through. So that basically the Southern Saints have, are now sitting at the top of that pile. They've been able to develop the young talent. They've complemented that with bits and pieces of experience they probably won't challenge for finals in the 2020 AFLW season, and I wouldn't expect them to. I think they're 
they'll be similar to Geelong last year if you're looking for a comparison. Probably a, a, a step behind, maybe. Um, but they couldn't be in better hands. They've got some great leaders at the club. And as you said, Peter Searle, is she ready? She's been ready for 10 years to take on a senior coaching position, whether that be at women's level or men's. She could cap- be quite capable in doing either and deserves to be doing either. Um, so she's got this opportunity now to see what she can do with the Southern Saints it's going into the St Kilda Football Club program. Um, it's an exciting time for the club, that's for sure. Well, Coxie, thank you so much for joining me this morning. Go get some sleep. I know you've been up all hours of the morning, so you deserve a little bit of sleep. And thank you so much for stopping by this morning. No, I appreciate it. Always enjoyed chatting about the VFLW. It's a very entertaining competition. It's growing a lot. It's changed a lot, but it's getting better. Might speak to you as well next week when we come to the grand final as well. You might need to buy me coffee if that's okay. <laughs> I can definitely do that. Matthew Cox joining me here. He was on fantastic. Matthew Cox, great with his time this morning. And yeah, he's gone to bed and gone to sleep right now uh, after doing a bit of an overnight shift as well. So yeah, he's looking for good things for the Sun Saints. They're going into the AFLW next year as St Kilda and he said good things about them as well. There's Ryan, Cheltenham coach, not too far away with Bug and Tomo. It's currently four past 11 for you Sunday morning. More of Beyond the Boundary after this. Back on Beyond the Boundary for your Sunday morning, six past 11. Tomo and Bug with you and Bug. Finally, we've got one half of the makeup of the grand final for next week. And you're excited about this one. Cheltenham taking on Dingley which should be a fantastic match between both sides, and they've earned their way into the ground. And joining us in studio now is the coach of Cheltenham, speaker of the one and only Des Ryan. Desi, good morning. Welcome aboard. And how are the boys feeling after the, over the last week? Uh, yeah, thanks, first of all, for inviting me in, Bug. Um, had a late night last night doing a bit of salsa dancing, mate, so uh, <laughs> pulled up a bit sore at a beach, beach session this morning, a bit yeah. tight in the hammies, but... Um, now the boys are all good. Um, we uh, we've had a, a sort of a recovery session this week. Had a big session on Thursday. Um, another session on Saturday. Uh, watched um, watched the footy in the afternoon. So yeah, really um, really happy to be there and um, really keen to enjoy the week. And Dingley, you know Shane Ward would very very well. Have you uh, sent him a text to say congratulations? And I'm looking forward to. Seeing you face-to-face next Saturday? <laughs> not yet, not yet. Uh, yeah, lucky enough to play with Shane down at Frankston and played against him. So, uh, obviously, uh, knows his craft. Very good team. Um, well drilled. So, um, should be a good game of footy. What do you think yesterday's game, Des? Yeah, look, I think, um, you know, Dingley really played you know, Dingley, a Dingley style of footy. They, they chewed up any mistake that was made, which they do very well. Um and you know, I think unfortunately for East Malvern, they um, probably start to suffer a little bit at this end of the year through injury. And um, you know, there's absolutely no doubt that you need your fittest cattle come finals time. And you know, the coaches on the sidelines, Chris Kerry is on the sidelines, so um, they had their issues with their personnel. But yeah, that's well, well played by Dingley. And it should be a good game next week. And tell us about what you guys have done sort of over the week, because I know you guys had that week off and you got to witness what Dingley did yesterday. And what's the training regime going into the week off normally for teams before you go into a grand final? Because I'm sort of curious in that regard. Well, it's a good question. Um, 
we we haven't uh, we haven't had had that sort of problem until this year, if you want to call it a problem, as to how we manage our troops. But we wanted to maintain some um, consistent routine, um, so we we trained Tuesday and Thursday. Tuesday session, we split the group up into what we felt um, the boys needed. Some boys needed a bit of um, TLC, and others needed um, time. Uh, on the track so um, we split the group up and uh, Jack Davis took our recovery group Jack plays with us he's our strength and conditioning guy um, and Brendan Moore took our um, our training session at Jack Barker and Cookie and I did um, video edits and now looking at your list for next week I'm looking as a support not a supporter as a spectator you're a supporter, mate. Yeah, I'm a supporter. I was going to say, you are pretty oh, supporter. Yeah. <laughs> um, I reckon it'll be an unchanged team. Dingley's? Yeah, they played pretty well. No, your team will be unchanged. Yeah, oh, well, we're, <laughs> the, the great thing for us at the moment is, and it's um, we were talking about this on Thursday night, is we've got a squad of 30 training. I know, yep. Um, each of those boys uh, are more than comfortable with them coming into the team. Yep. Uh, the attitude of those uh, 30 and particularly the the guys that really have to, um, you know, they probably know that they're relying on an injury or a mishap, but they're the first at training and the first competing on the track, and mm. um, that's where I think we're getting a lot of um, strength from. And you look at, you know, this year, in Mike Cook, knee, you've got Josh Fox back on the park, you get him next year, Tom Donnell injured, Jack Barclay, there's some handy plays. Yeah, I'd, look, I don't think we've had a any worse a run than anyone else. You know, you go back a few weeks and compare that list to um, St Paul's. Yep. Um, you know, everyone's had their issues with their personnel, even um, Port Colts on the eve of the the final last week. So mm. you do need you do need your men on the track, and um, but yeah, we've had some boys out. Uh, yeah, Cookie's been on the track, so mm. he's. Um, He's uh, looking cheeky at the moment. Well, the rumour was yesterday a bloke came up to me and said, I oh, don't be surprised if Mike Cook runs out for Cheltenham next week. And I said, oh, don't know about that, but who knows? He's been a man full of inside the four walls, a little segment we've got here <laughs> all, all morning. So that's why Bugs are up and about. He's, uh, he, that's why he likes to hear like all these different stuff. Now, when you guys did play Dingley in the first semi-final last week... Second you got, semi. Sorry, second semi. Thank you, Bugs. Sorry about that. <laughs> Eight goals to nothing in the last quarter, so it was just a complete demolition from your forwards in that last quarter. And what was that message at three quarter time, knowing that you know, Dingley was still in it, and then before you guys exploded in that last thirty minutes? Yeah, look, I thought Dingley played some good footy in the third quarter, um, and uh, you know we, we've got a pretty good back six, uh, and our midfield uh, has a has a strong capability about it as well. So you know. From our point of view, it was just you know we're in a position to win the game and 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 not open up any any opportunity for the opposition and and you know that was probably what happened. You've got a great back six, haven't you? Hayes, Blitzers, Vaughan. It's steady, isn't it? It's a good back yeah. Line. They've they've been together all year. Yep. Uh, there's been minimal change through there. Um, where we've had to, we we have changed that six up, but um, it's predominantly been you know seven players, eight mm. players. Yep. And you go through the midfield, you picked up Ludica through the season. Great pickup. Yeah, yeah. Rob's been excellent, actually. Mm, yep. 
He kicked three goals actually against Dingley in that second semi as well. Yeah, yeah, he sort of wheels himself on the play. Mm. He's uh, he's never going to die wondering, um, which um, which is a great uh, great brand to have. He makes his own luck. He finishes well, um, but he's been he's been a great inclusion, and that sort of came about with the the loss of um, Jackson Barclay uh, yep. mid year, and we we were lucky enough to to come across Rob, and and we needed. Um, that needed, type of player, and, yeah. And, you know, he's he's happy and playing footy with a smile on his face. So, and you know, he's, I'm impressed with this year's McTaggart up forward. Last year, his footy was at the crossroads. I reckon he got dropped, or he said he was injured. Wasn't the player on his reputation, but this year he's been a one for Cheltenham up forward. Fantastic. All right, look, Will's been a one in a lot of facets this mm. year. Um, He's played his role in in the forward line each week, the role we ask him to play. Um, his off field contribution has been enormous, so yep. um, I really can't speak highly enough. And things are going well down at the club though this year. Your luncheons, your crowds. Yeah, look, there's a lot of hard work goes into all that, as you know, um, Bud. You know, it's um, it doesn't just happen, and we've got a great contributing um, volunteer group. Our um, our past players group and and you know our volunteers through the canteen and our lunches our Anzac Day luncheon was probably second to none. Packed, great, great, absolutely great packed crowd. Yep, um, and that really just adds a bit of vibe around the whole place and you know it's a pretty competitive market Bayside. Um, it is for for sport and football and I'd like to think that you know along with the likes of Morty as well that we're we're doing the best to present ourselves in the right manner. That's tough. As I was saying yesterday, you know you look in the area, people forget Black Rock. Football club. You hear of Bo Morris, St. Bede's, Parkdale, Chelt, then you've got your heights, but there's a lot of clubs in each other's backyard. And when it comes to recruiting, everyone's trying to pinch off each other because, you know, some clubs haven't got 19s and some clubs have got too many players and they want to move on. So it's. And it's there are some clubs that have combined their 19s, as you said, like they might not have enough for like a 19s team in full, but they do maybe a collaboration with. Another team, for example. Well, I've spoken to Des about it at the moment. Our under-19s comp in the Southern Leagues, it's a big concern. It's a massive concern. Uh, you know, we, we've we've played, um, I think, at the most this year in the one side, four or five 17, 18-year-olds. Yep. So under-18s is hugely important for yep. our competition and, and feeding through and linking into our junior program. So... Um, you know how we continue to bolster that under nineteen program is um, is probably one, number one on the on the um, it's got to be discussion list for definitely the league. Footy. Yep, it's got to because you look at St Kilda City, um, you blokes, you've got to have the feeder, and they're all one pointers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, look, you know salary caps in Southern Footy League. I don't I don't even know what ours is. I don't I don't think anyone gets near it anyway. No. Um, whether it's even a, a way, but. Being able to develop a list of low point players is is paramount, and um, you know we're lucky enough to to be able to do that. We've yep. got a lot of one point players that are very good. And then when you go recruiting, and you do want to top up with a an ex AFL player or a VFL player. You can play around a bit with your points. So Absolutely. As I said, I really hope the Southern Footy Netball League come in the next couple of weeks, sit down with the Footy Operations Department and sort out this under eighteen, under nineteen comp because I have no doubt some clubs might be looking to go to another underage. Competition. It could be Amateurs, it could be Morning Peninsula because it's not healthy. No, it's not. And for a lot of teams too, they need that under 90s competition as well to sort of nurture the next generation of reserves and senior players who want to play for their club. And in your the twos this year, Des, they dropped off a bit, didn't they, your reserves? 
Yeah, they they did. We we have had a sort of a, a successful reserves team over a number of mm. years. This year, you know, it's, it's hard to retain um, you know young people in the game. You know, so there's a lot going on, and a lot of um, a lot of those boys that probably are a shade off um, senior footy from time to time got a lot of pressure on them to make a dollar working of a Saturday yeah. morning. So correct. Yep. Um, yeah, but you know they're they're a life lifeline of the club too in terms of our. Um, You've got to have numbers around the place. So it's really yep. important that your reserves are up and about. Your boys are into a grand final, which is fantastic. Yeah, and the thing we've got at Morty Alec is that we've got a lot of blokes who are real good twos players but cannot make that next step to play senior footy. And they've all had, they've all played senior footy, but they're just not up to it. You know what I mean? So, But they all train. And it's rewarding for the blokes who played reserves footy for the last couple of years get an opportunity to play in a grand final. Yeah. You know, it's fan, fantastic for the club. Keeps your club going for another week. You notice this week, there's Tuesday, Thursday. It's going to be a great week down at Chelsea. Thursday night's going to be fantastic. Oh, look. It's you know, going to be great. I, I just want the boys to enjoy the week. Yeah. It's been 1934 since we've won a <laughs> Divi 1 um, Premiership. You, you um, didn't go to that game, did you, in 34? No, but, <laughs> but I was wearing a hat yesterday that was at the 34. Um, you asked me about my hat yesterday. What was, was that? Was Honestly. Hey? That was from the 1934 Premiership photo, mate. Carl Anderson would have gone in 34, wouldn't he? Uh, I reckon he would have been. He there. would have jumped the fence. He would have jumped the fence. Now, Andrew Keach, great Cheltenham person, wants to know who are your characters around the Cheltenham Football Netball Club? Uh, from the playing group? Or? Playing group, off-field. Yeah, we've got, a, we've got a pretty good list of boys that like to have a have a bit of fun. Um, as I said, Will McTag- McTaggart yep. this year um, has really uh, become comfortable in... in um, you know, driving our off-field fun uh, and and that culture. It's really important it that we have fun, you yep. know, and, and I mentioned it just a moment ago. That's what I want our boys to have this week. And, um, you know, it doesn't happen every year. No. Um, so let's enjoy it, you know. We'll play as hard as we possibly can on Saturday, but um, let's enjoy it and, you know, have fun. We don't work football, we play football. So, yep. uh, but, yeah, you know, um, Big uh, Tags has been a, a lot of fun. Sean McLaren. Yep. Uh, these sorts of boys like to have a, a smile on their face most days. Little uh, Grant Hughes joined us this year, uh, yep. one of our trainers. He's yeah. a bit of a character. So where do you get him from? Oh, Grant's been sort of a bit of a right-hand man through a bit of my footy. He's been at Richmond and Fitzroy and, um, you know, he's been in the NBL. Oh, okay. Uh, he's, got, uh, he's got quite a few premiership photos. Next. He might be the lucky charm. <laughs> and by the way, people may... May not know that Des actually played 56 AFL games for Richmond. Kicked about, what, 29, 30-odd goals? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, I reckon, like yeah, and you're there between 86 to 92. And then down to the Dolphins. Down to the Dolphins, yes. Gee, that, when you went down there, wasn't a bad team you had there at the start, was there? Chris Pym, Simon Verbeek, Matty Ryan. We had a great, great That's bunch great. of blokes. You know, and, uh, you know, if you want to go back to go back. some... Um, you know, Maury. blokes have played some serious footy. While well, Brendan Moore's is yeah. one of my assistants now and a great football person. Uh, you know, David Glascott, David. Tony Morwood, Moose Henwood, uh, Moose Henwood. Yeah, Moose didn't play with me. Um, no. He was he was a year before, but um, Johnny Fidge had some time Johnny down Fidge. there. John um, Burke, I remember John Darren Burke. Darren Davies, Darren uh, Davies. Yeah, yeah Footscray. Yep, thank you. So uh, yeah, we could have the Goose, Simon Goosey. Yeah, Goose. Ty Esler, Ty Esler. Yeah, I found Ricky Jad. Did Ricky Jackson ever no, play? Uh, no, I think I Corey Jones might. Uh, Corey, um, Corey Young might have. Corey, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, jeez, no, no good side back then. Tomo, the Dolphins, back and crowds the, used to go. Robbie Mace, back in the nineties. 
Robbie Mace. Yeah, nineties and uh, it was good for yeah, you. Yeah, it was funny. Um, we t- Maury and I talk about this, and I I did say to the club the other day, um, mentioned in front of the boys, how lucky we are to have the facilities we have and the club that you know supports us. And mm. I can remember being down at Frankston and Brian Mace. I think we'd lost maybe two or three home and away games in three years, and we got beat by Springvale. And Macy hated Springvale, I'm sure, and. Um, <laughs> We used to have pasta night, and we got beat the week before by Springvale, and Macy bought the pasta and chucked us at it. <laughs> Said, you spoiled bastards. <laughs> but, yeah, they've just got to get back on their feet now, you know what I mean? Great facilities down at Frankston, but it, that's, it's lean times. But they, they're trying, aren't they? They're, oh, look, I think... Rocky know, Lloyd's back involved, I yeah, see. Yeah, so, yeah, that's, that's a good appointment. Yeah. Rocky was there involved... Uh, yep. Um, back in the day with yep. uh, Joe Quidara was the president at the time. Yeah, and, Joe. Yeah. yeah. And other enough fines ready now for the end of season footy trip or are you going to make sure that the fines are going to go up in this last two training sessions before the grand final to make sure you know there's sufficient enough for the boys yeah well um, tags does our fines um every thursday night and um oh well you know i think he's got everybody multiple times so he'd be he'd be probably trying to keep his head Mm. below the parapet this um this week are we coming at him for um, fines (laughs) and you crowd like even um last weekend at um St Kilda Footy Ground, massive support base, Cheltenham. Out of that huddle, as you said to me, you didn't notice it, but there's a fair few out there. Yeah. There's um, a lot. Look, I, I was rapt to see the amount of people oh. um, after the game that, you know, past players' days are generally about catching up with your mates. And, yep. Um, you know, and a common common theme is the club you played for, but I was really rapt to see so many of those past players that I see at past players' day there to support the footy. Oh, I would. Um, and it was not so much about them catching up with mates, but it was supporting yep. Shelt Footy Club. And finally for me, Linton Street. was a mean to play on a ground quite like Linton Street where a lot of Southern Football Netball League teams want to be? Uh, look, it was excellent. Um, you know, the conditions were good, the facilities were good. You know, it's probably not advanced as a spectator venue yet which um you know there's plans in place for that but the actual deck is great um plenty of room um the boys loved it yeah it's a big ground it's a wide ground and it? it's wide is it like the mcg wide well there's his part on the mcg he'll tell you about it uh yeah it's big it's yeah. it's plenty of room and you know things open up there uh, you just got to sort of let it evolve a bit but um yeah i don't i've done it you know outside probably um Sandringham um, mm. in Bayside, what you can get your hands on, and it's as good as anything, yeah. And reappointed next year too, Des, so that'll take you into, what, five years as senior coach? Yeah, yeah, that's... It's a great um, effort. Yeah, it's, 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 it's more than a coaching job. You, you know, I, I think you've got to... Um, the important thing is you, you're not the smartest man in the room, I reckon. Um, I'm not a, saying you you're not, Bug, but... No, no, I'll say you've got a whole team of assistant coaches yeah, to help you Yeah, I think you've, well. got to, you've got to make sure that you've got right people around you. And, you know, I've, I've been very lucky this year to have Mike Cook standing beside me on the boundary yep. line. Dylan Weikart runs our mids. Brendan Moore. Uh, you know, and then, you know, other boys in the background, Adam King and those yep. sorts of guys that are Good footy. Playing, Tomo. Tomo. You know, mate, playing, Dave Tomo, yeah. Playing uh, massive roles in helping running the club and, you know... Good footy, good footy people. There, you've got a good bench and people around you. Good footy heads. Yeah, that's what you need to have around there. So, and Tomo, you got there's a question, haven't you? I do. I've heard uh, some stuff from uh, the great man Bug, uh, just <laughs> very quietly about something you own. Do you want to care? To, I think I've got the name of it. It's just he owns a, owns a water and hole. Owns oh, a water and yeah, hole. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, the Birchip boys unfortunately got <laughs> in um, Birchip. 
Got beaten the grand final yesterday by uh, Sea Lake Nandali Tigers, um, which uh, where they just, as I was talking about, they ran out of cattle towards the end of the year. They copped some big injuries. But, yeah, the Birchip Hotel up on the Sunraysia Highway, you can't uh, miss it if you travel up the highway on your way to Mildura. Is that where the footy trip is? Uh, we do a pre-season trip <laughs> yeah, up there. And we, we play yep. a practice game up in the country. We played at Nullawool and Sananad and, you know, yep. we... Um, we uh, we had we had a good time, but yeah, very hot. Um, enjoying a, a really good farming season. The grains are, are looking very good. I'm going with Des. We're going on holidays together. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, yeah. We're doing a sightseeing trip yeah. up. We got, we got a rabbit-proof fence up there. We might keep bug out, but, uh, <laughs> knock a few off the tap and have a look at what's up at Birchin. Yeah. Looking forward to it. It's going. It should be a good trip between uh, you two. But Des, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Good luck to Cheltenham yeah. next week in the grand final against Dingley and. Hopefully you can win a premiership and the fights go up and you guys can have one unforgettable footy trip. Well, you know, we'll we'll, um, we'll be doing our very best. Thanks for having me. Well done, Des. Fantastic. Des Ryan joining us, coach of Cheltenham. Next week, Linton Park. Also, Linton, Linton Street, Streets. RSAEA Park. Yep. The old Two, one. 2.15 start? 2.30. 2.30 start. 2.30 okay. first bounce from what I'm reading as well. Okay. Cheltenham versus Dingley will try and get a final word from Shane Warwood a little bit later on in the show. But on the other side of this, we're going to be talking some VFL finals with vfl.com.au's Aaron Fetter. And he's going to be telling us about what to expect from Richmond in the grand final and who they might be facing later this afternoon between Williamstown and Essen. This is Beyond the Boundary with Bug and Tomo. More of Beyond the Boundary after this. You are indeed listening to Southern FM and this is Beyond the Boundary, Bug and Tomo with you. Up until midday and then the Professor, Kuda and the team are going to take you through other sports as well and they've got a big show as they've well. They've got a massive midday. show. They've got Cole Anderson, break-even Cole, coming on from the Cheltenham Football Club and they've got the great Gary Matlock from the Bentley Football Club. They've got a massive show. So listen in after Cannot Beyond the Boundary midday and it's going to be a fantastic show. And how good was that with Des Ryan? Fantastic. fantastic. Eh? And I'm looking forward to Shane to Shane Morwood, who's just gone back to me as well. He's, Shane's alive. He's, he's a alive man, and Shane. well. Yep. He, did, he had a triathlon, so that's no, why he's he couldn't, all right. he's all right. that's why he couldn't come right. in. Yep. But we're going to speak a little bit of VFL now. And I thought I'd bring in my favourite expert from the VFL. He's done a fantastic job doing Team of the Weeks. He does some fantastic calling as well for another community radio station, Casey Radio as well, who were calling the game later today as well between Williamstown and Essendon. I speak of the one only Aaron Fetter. Fetz, good morning. Good morning, Tomo. Thanks for having me. No worries at all. So we might as well start with the game that was good for three and a bit quarters between Port Melbourne and Richmond yesterday, but the Tigers, again, have shown their experience under Craig McRae, how strong they are. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you, you look at the final result there, 26 points to Richmond, most people would have expected that, but uh, the game certainly didn't play out like that for for the first, well, for the full four quarters. Obviously, the Tigers got out to a really good start and, and put the pressure on Port Melbourne straight away. A couple of goal lead at, uh, at quarter time with that lead. But you can never discount a Gary Ayres coach side and obviously Port Melbourne on their home deck with a really strong supporter base. Uh, we're, we're able to tie it all up at half time and then we're able to get in front at three-quarter time. It was, a, it was an unbelievable day of football there at, at Con Stadium. Perfect weather. Um, we're not usually used to that at uh, at Adcott Stadium or Northport Oval VFL Finals. Usually, uh, it's wet and windy, which it, which it has been for most of the final series. Series, but Melbourne turned it on yesterday. So, Port Melbourne three points up at the final turn. Richmond with the wind, and I think uh, the inevitable 
transpired after that. 20 AFL-listed players um, and, and some of their better players really coming to the fore. And uh, in the end, booking their second uh, grand final berth in, in three years. And as you mentioned there, Craig McRae, he's a quiet achiever. We know that he had a lot of success uh, as a player at Brisbane in the early 2000s, but he's really building a, a pretty impressive coaching resume uh, at BFL level. And Connor Manager, he's had one hell of a season for Richmond. He started again with 26 disposals and three goals yesterday. Yeah, he's um, he's probably Richmond supporters will be a little bit frustrated by his output at AFL level. Um, he does dominate at the lower level um, on the wing, and he's really added a goal-kicking streak to his bow this year. And we've seen opposition teams try and clamp down on him. He's got great speed, great skill. Um, and, and as I said, if you've got a, a wingman or a midfielder kicking goals, then you have to pay attention. And, and he's been a big game performer for them this year. And they've had just so many uh, performers on every line. You know, Paddy Nash has had a great year on the other wing. And Fraser Turner, he's a first-year player as well, has uh, has done his job. And then they've just got so many focal points up forward. Obviously, Marby Atoll and... Callum, uh, Callum Coleman-Jones, who's really impressed, and then the Mosquito Fleet, Dan Butler, who was an AFL Premiership player only a couple of years ago. Uh, you got him, and, and obviously Jake Arch is experienced, and then you've got a, a bit of a, another dynamic player in Oleg Markov. So they've really got every line covered, Richmond, and whoever they play uh, next week, they will be raging favourites. And I know Gary Ayres probably wouldn't be too upset with how far they got as well, where, where they finished in the bottom half of the top eight, and you know they beat... Geelong, and then they smashed Footscray, which was a bit of a shock because Footscray were supposed to be in the same position that Port Melbourne were in. Yeah, it was a funny old season for Port Melbourne. They uh, they were the form team in the competition, at, I think at the halfway mark. I think they'd won six in a row, and then they just fell off the cliff a little bit. Um, they had a couple of injuries, but uh, I guess you can say the same for, for most other clubs, especially AFL-listed teams that change so often. And I guess the advantage for standalone clubs like Port Melbourne is that they um, they're able to be so stable and consistent with team selection. So yeah, they fell off the cliff a little bit, and teams probably worked them out a little bit, and and then they weren't able to to book a a top four spot and uh, and had to do it the hard way, and and did obviously knocked off Geelong in the first round. And if not for Footscray's uh, inaccuracy last week, then, then maybe it would be Footscray playing, or who would have played yesterday, which would have set up a really tantalising contest, but. Great news for, for Borough fans and VFL fans. Um, Gary Ayres hadn't re-signed until last night, I believe, or, uh, and Port Melbourne made the announcement last night that he would be going around for a 13th season, uh, which, is, which is great for the competition and great for the Borough. Aaron Wayne Fuller, how are you going, mate? Good, Wayne. How are you? Uh, tell you what, hasn't the ground come up so well at um, Port Melbourne? Yeah, it's refreshing to see. It you is. know, we've VFL followers <laughs> for a long <laughs> period of time just... <laughs> think about Northport Oval and the horrendous conditions that football has played in there and, and it's great to see that even though we've had some pretty wintry conditions over the last few weeks, it's held up magnificently well. It's had VFLW played uh, as a curtain raiser, as a curtain closer um, and it's been magnificent and, and that's what that's what you'd hope, you know, it's, a, mm. it's, it's the VFL, it's tier one football to, to the AFL really um, and the council and everyone involved there, a lot of money, time and effort has been put into it and uh, probably, you know, the uh, the template for other VFL clubs to look at, you know, if the finances are there, to turn their facilities into an elite one, which, uh, you know, Port Melbourne are benefiting from, and the competition as well. And Feds, we might as well look at this afternoon's game, and I know you'll be out there at Northport Oval, Williamstown and Essendon. Essendon, 
Well, they almost got beaten by Werby and almost went out in straight sets, but they rallied through Tom Jock, who kicked the winning goal in the dying seconds last week. And Williamstown, they've had a very good season as well. How do you see this match going? Really, really interesting uh, clash if you're, if you're not uh, tied up with too much this afternoon. Plonk yourself in front of the TV. Better yet, get down to North Port Oval or turn on your, your radio. There's, there's plenty of coverage of it. Uh, well, you, you can never deny Williamstown. Uh, I think this is their, their ninth consecutive preliminary final. Yes, their, their record in preliminary finals. If you want to be a, a glass half uh, empty type of person, they've lost. Uh, they've lost seven, so they have stumbled at the final hurdling uh, hurdle on a few occasions. Um, but again, an Andy Collins coach side. They've become a, a little bit more flexible. They're not just your typical contested style team, um, although. I think the weather's going to be a really interesting subplot today. So there's a bit of drizzle around at the moment, uh, but the thunderstorms are supposed to settle in around 3 o'clock. So I think the team that can win the toss and kick with the breeze in the first quarter and potentially get out to a a two- or three-goal lead and then have the weather turn probably halfway through the second quarter, um, and then, as I said, that that weather and that rain's going to settle in for the rest of the contest, then it's going to be very hard to drag back a, a two or three goal margin in that weather and especially Williamstown who play in torrential conditions week in week out they train in it they love the wet they love the wind um, they're going to hope that the skies open up and, and that will really suit their style of play um, and to Essendon's credit last week they, they just hung in there for long, long enough Werribee obviously didn't take their chances um, but again you, you can't deny an Essendon side that uh, has scored heavily throughout the year and, and have got so many um, experienced and, and talented AFL players on every line. And again, like it was last week, it could be potentially the last game for a few Essendon fan favourites, both at AFL and VFL level. So there's obviously a lot on the line. And Dan Jordan, what do you think his message was to the boys about preparing them? Because he probably would have spent spent maybe you know a good couple of days telling the boys that we might be playing to Williamstown's advantage with the weather. Yeah, I mean, you don't want to focus too much on the opposition in a game like this. You know, you've gotten this far. You've got to focus on your strengths and, and what you do well and trust that if everyone plays their role, uh, you know, within that team game plan, that it'll be good enough to win. So I think it's self-explanatory that Williamstown are very strong wet-weather teams, but I think Essendon will, will have taken some confidence out of playing in, in the wet conditions last week a little bit as well against Werribee, and, and they were able just to, to fashion a win in the end. Um so, in- interestingly as well, uh, Essendon haven't played in a grand final at VFL level in-, in 20 years. So, it's been a long time for them, and obviously Williamstown's last, I believe, in 2015. So, as I said, if, if you're not doing too much, uh, there's no AFL football on. Uh, plonk yourself in front of the TV, turn the radio on, and, and like it was for you know, three and a bit quarters yesterday, should be an absolute ripper. And who do you think's going to head over to Carlton next week to take on Richmond in the grand final? Well, I know you'll be there, because uh, any opportunity you get to... Head down to Icon Park. You're uh, you're first in line, Tomo, as, <laughs> yep. as, a, as a big blue supporter. No, I, I think um, even if it was a dry day, I just think Williamstown have got enough grunt on every line. Um, you know, last time these two teams played, round 17, surprisingly, Williamstown, who haven't been a very high-scoring team this year, they, they managed to kick 100 points with, against Essendon, which they'll almost take a mental advantage uh, within that. That was probably only four or five weeks ago that... that uh, they defeated them by three goals. So I think it'll be Williamstown. But uh, as I said, there's still a lot of talent on Essendon's, uh, in, in Essendon's team today. And um, you just 
you just don't know what the uh, the, the week's break for Williamstown would have done, maybe stunting their momentum a little bit, but probably keeping them a little bit fresher. Um, you know, obviously Essendon were, were in a really physically uh, taxing game against Werribee last week. So intriguing, but I think Williamstown will just be able to scrap a win and, and get up by a couple of goals. And finally, we might as well talk about the JJ Liston Trophy night. And I know you're pretty happy to say that Tommy Gribble was the recipient of the prestigious awards during the week as well for where it being polled pretty well as well. Oh, he, he was, uh, I think, the the highest um, vote vote getter in, I think, maybe since 2011 and uh, 25 votes um, in, in a midfield, in a team that was really even, in a team that had Michael Barlow, who only played 11 games, I think polled 14 votes. So, yeah, Tom Gribble, it, it, it's an amazing story. Um, and well documented now, but uh, just just an accumulator had some deficiencies in his game last year. Even though he was team of the year, I think he polled four votes last year. So to get twenty five this year, um, he's obviously really benefited from having Mark Choco Williams and um, and Michael Barlow and Jack Fitzpatrick looking after the midfield. And he improved his game out of sight. He improved his handball to kick ratio. He was number one in the comp for inside fifties. He kicked nine or ten goals as well. So. It's a great story. He's got type one diabetes, so he's got to manage that as well. And um, and he's a bit of a niggler. He lo- he loves the contest. He loves the VFL and, and the history behind it and, and all the stats. But I'll tell you one thing. I was surprised that he did manage to poll that many votes because he'll be the first person to tell you that he's uh, probably not uh, always so uh, respectful and kind to the umpires. He loves to have a bit of a whinge, and that's that's well known. But uh, the umpires saw saw through that and thought that. Um, you know, more often than not, he was the best player on the ground. So it was a great night for Tom. And, you know, it'll be 25 in October. We've, you know, the, the mature age recruits are in vogue a little bit more now. And, um, but I think definitely uh, it was a great night for Werribee. Jake Riccardi, the Fothergill Round, which will medalist for essentially the rising star. The last uh, 13 winners of that award have gone on to be drafted. So that's a golden ticket for him. And, um, and then five players in the team of the year from Werribee as well. Four to Williamstown. The surprise one was Essendon, who obviously playing in a preliminary final today. Zero players in the VFL team of the year. That's obviously only VFL players who are eligible. Probably the, the surprise one there um, would, would be Aaron Heppel, the uh, the skipper of the Bombers at VFL level. Had another really good year, spent a bit more time in the midfield and probably was uh, the surprise omission. Well, Aaron, thank you so much for joining us this morning on Beyond the Boundary on Sunday FM. Good luck with your call today. I know you're doing that for KC Radio out at Acon Park and Hopefully the weather holds up for you guys in the box. Thanks, Tom and Wayne. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Aaron Feather from the VFL joining us, and he's done a fantastic job on vfl.com.au. Knows his footy. Over the course of the year, yeah, he does. He, does. he knows his footy. He's, uh, he did, he's very happy as well because he, uh, he's done a few things for Werribee too, so he's pretty happy that uh, Tommy Gribble won the JJ Liston Award. But we'll get to a quick sponsors break, and then after this, we're going to speak to Shane Walwood, the, the other half of... The Sun Football Netball League Grand Final next week, Bug, and I know that uh, you're ready to grill him in a few good questions. So we'll get Shane up after this. Back here on Beyond the Boundary for your Sunday morning, 15 minutes until we hand it over to the Professor and Sports Fan Radio. And they've got a big, big show, and their team is ready to go in the blue studio, but we're not going to keep this man too much. We had Des Ryan, coach of Cheltenham, Earlier on the show, we might as well talk to his contemporary now from Dingley. We speak of Shane Morwood. Shane, good morning. Morning, Michael. How are we going? 
going very well. I've got the bug with me as well. And first up, congratulations on making it to the grand final. You did play Cheltenham last week in the second semi-final. What did you guys, or what have you learnt from that loss that you're going to not make come to the grand final next week at Linton Street? Oh, it's like every week, Michael. You've got, get, you've got to come to the game ready to play the game. And I think our guys were, who knows whether you can assess it from where they were mentally, but they, at the end of the day, they weren't ready to play the game the way they should be playing the game at finals football. So, uh, And you get the performance that we got uh, eight days ago against Tottenham. So Tottenham were very good and we were very bad. So not a great combination to have on a day. Shane Wayne, full of how you are, mate. Good, thank you, Wayne. How are you? Not too bad. Um, well done yesterday. Thank you. Very good. Getting back to the the form you blokes usually play, and I was very impressed. I actually thought the game game was over at quarter time, but um, fantastic young Remy Faulkner would up forward and Parker, and uh, really good yesterday. Yeah, well, I'm glad you're confident at quarter time, mate. So I uh, wish you had to give me a bit of that confidence. So <laughs> I might have relaxed a bit more for the next three quarters. Nah. But uh, no, you can never relax as a coach, let me tell Correct. you. So, um, but no, no, look, I was certainly playing a lot better than the, the previous week, of course, and uh, you're in the game. So it was a matter of how long they could sustain the, their intensity and their focus on the game, and they, they thought they did that pretty well. And what is going to go through the dingoes over the next couple of days, your Tuesday and Thursday sessions? What are you guys going to work in particular? Uh, look, usually it's uh, a couple of things on setups, Michael, how we're going there, what we want to do. Um, they won't be long sessions. Um yeah, probably be 45 minutes after warm-up and they're off the ground. So this time of the year, um, guys are pretty fit. It's all about really recovery. So um, especially yesterday, it was 20 degrees out there, big ground, so it would have taken a lot out of the players. So um, yeah, we uh, we started recovery straight after the game. Uh, had another session this morning and we'll train, as I said, about 45 minutes. Tuesday night, Thursday night, uh, they, uh, they won't be too intense. So just freshen them up a little bit and ready for Saturday. And all three teams, Shane, under nineteen reserves and seniors. Fantastic effort again by the club. Yeah, it's awesome, isn't it's it? It's great, so, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, there's been uh, challenges throughout the year. We've, we've had you know, lots of injuries throughout yes. the season, uh, which in, which has impacted nineteen's uh, reserves and seniors. So, and again, uh, you've played a lot of kids form. too, haven't you? You've you've pushed them through, and we got to see that this year too. Yeah, we've probably pushed five or six through. I yeah. Think. Um, Encountered as such, but it's something like that. So I think you know, we've had uh, well, Rory Goldsmith's basically played since round five. So is Remy. Yep. Uh, Remy Faulkner Wood, um, and then you've had Hicksy, um, who basically played seniors for probably the last season and a half. But he did his collarbone, you know, against Tottenham early, and um, and then you've got young Judah Edmonds. So Judah hasn't played under 19s, but still is uh, you know, only 18 years of age. So. He can play 19s if you, you need to. You had a kid so. the other week too, Lockie Lambie. Yeah, Lockie Lambie, he's under 19. So yeah. He, played, he, played, he didn't play on the weekend. Oh, no, yeah. Um, yeah, but he played the last three games. So yeah. um, he's sort of been in and out with the under 19s because he's sort of involved with Sandy Dragon. Yep, okay, yep. He's, he's only an 18-year-old kid. So, um, Jesus, so promising. Yeah, he's, yeah. He played him, played him as well, So which has been great. Great to bring those. And that's the other advantage or positive side of, him, of the injuries We've had some season-ending injuries to some key players, but it just opens up door for opportunities for not only players in the reserves, but also players in the under-19s that we can have some ability and can give them time, and, and time so valuable for them. So they just you know, prepare themselves better for next year and, and the year after. So And we did that with Pup, uh, Kristen Fee, yep. in 2016. I just 
So, mate, you're not going out of the team. Doesn't, I don't care if you get one kick, ten kicks, twenty kicks. You're not going out. So just relax. It's all about learning. So, and we're we're doing the benefits of that in the years later. Jesus improved Christian Fiend, hasn't he, over the last couple of years at centre half back in development? Like as I was saying to Des Ryan before and others, yeah, surely a VFL club would you know give him a go. Oh well, who knows what they look for these days? Well, that's right. Um, yeah, he's tall. He marks pretty well. Um, yeah, just the ball okay. So. Maybe just a bit of a leg speed for with pup. Maybe, know, yeah. But, um, but yeah, but you know, he's only was he twenty four, I think, so he's still still a pup. Still a pup, young pup. Yeah, so, no, good um, player. Mm, but no, it's good. And tell us about the game yesterday against East Malvern, a comprehensive forty five point victory and you were up by twenty points both half time and three quarter time. What was that message to the boys in the huddle at three quarter time before you kicked five goals to one in the last? Uh we'll just continue their intensity. I think yeah. Our pressure acts over the day up to that point was were good, but uh, measure we just don't drop off. I think we um, we failed to locate you know, all the individuals forgot to or failed to locate their players quickly. Um, so there was a certainly a message about that. So I cut out the options of their outlets, and um, and we know what they were doing. which switching the ball internally uh, through the middle of the ground over their back half, just make sure we'll cover those areas and push them wide and then lock it in. So. And I thought we were probably better at that in the last quarter, and our pressure acts probably went up a little bit. Probably yeah, the fitness quarter. was good too. Yeah, Very as good. I said before, it's a hot day as yeah. you guys were aware of. So, um, you yeah, know, their endurance over the over the game was, I think, probably. And I think it's it's always noticeable. I think when you win the football, that the other team looked like they're struggling to keep up, and, mm. and we certainly did that. So it certainly appeared that our fitness and condition was pretty good. So, uh, yeah. And I thought the week before, too, that took a bit out of East Malvern, the poor Colts and East Malvern game, which was played in pretty heavy conditions. That would have knocked them around a bit, too. Yeah, definitely. It definitely yeah, knocked, well, knocked them around. So. Lionel Gale was windy. and yep. physical, physical. Physical day. They probably weren't running much. So no. Certainly in contrast yesterday, of course. So, um, and they, I thought at times they, they ran and handled the ball quite well, East Malvern. The third quarter, I think they had a seven- or eight-minute patch where you know, they certainly controlled the game but um, just couldn't score. And as the footy guards happens, and how it works is that mm. the, we got it up the other end and Remy kicks a goal. Yeah. Um, and we've hardly had much of the play, but that's where it hurts you sometimes it and frustrates does. you from a coaching point of view. You just didn't take the advantage. It's a bit like Brisbane last night. Yeah, but yeah, Shane, off to the big, yeah, you're off to the big dance probably. again. Yep. Yeah, off again, mate. Again, uh, hey. Time in six years, which it's is great, isn't uh, it? It's a great it's week, isn't it? Uh, it's, a, it's a week everyone wants to be involved with, so... Yep. Um, Tuesday night, Thursday night at the club, Saturday morning you wake up. It's fantastic. Enjoy the week. You do, don't you? Yeah. Your supporters come out. Yes. Volunteers, everyone involved. Yep. It's the next the next six days probably can't come quick enough. That's exactly right. Yep. It does come around quick. It does, and you know, next Saturday, you know, Dingley got three teams, Morty like twos are in, you've got St Kilda City in the nineteens. And if the weather holds off, I think Sean we're gonna get a a big crowd. We've seen it before when they all come. Yeah, well, hopefully we do, mate. So, so do I. Looking at the long-range forecast, it looks like a bit wet. So, yeah, they reckon um, yeah, 14 in showers or something. Yeah, yeah, I think the weather's supposed to turn, I think, Friday night into Saturday Friday. morning, yeah. which is yeah. a shame. Absolute yeah. shame, because so. you guys were playing in pristine conditions yesterday. Oh, it was too good yesterday. Massive far cry from what you're going to be seeing next week, that's for sure. But <laughs> I do, do want to ask uh, you... It may change. It may change. <laughs> it may change. I, I hope so. I, I've been hanging out for decent spring weather, like a, a consistent patch for almost two weeks now and kind of not getting it, which is a bit of a shame. But Shane, I do want to ask you what it's like to play 
on Linton Street because the boys now, they're a bit ready now, adapted to the big ground. We spoke to Des Ryan about it too. What do you think you guys might have that maybe Cheltenham won't have coming into next Saturday's game when it comes to the advantage? Because you've played, you know, you guys are the fresh approach with playing on this ground and, you know, Cheltenham had that week off. I can't tell you any secrets, Michael. Here he goes. There's, 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 there's a bloke will be waiting for this sort of comment anyway, so there you go. Oh, he doesn't oh, give much away, Shane. I was going to say, I, 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 I don't think Des is listening, so you can say anything you need to hear, Shane. I'm, I'm doing what David, David Warner can't do, and that's play a straight bat. Yeah, so, um, no, he's like that. Yeah. And the fine yeah. system, how's, uh, how's the fines racking up before the end of season footy trip? We asked Des this about Cheltenham. What's it like down in Dingley at the moment with the fines? Uh, well, they, they look to find me for everything, Michael. It doesn't matter what I say I do, or if someone comes up and talks to me from an opposition team, yep. one of the old the old Collingwood supporters, then that's oh. a fine, it's 10 bucks. So I think I got fined, what did I get fined? I got fined 20 bucks the other day. Uh, Mitch Allenby, he's the king of fines. Yep. So he just he just racks it up. I think he's, I think he's about 600 bucks owing him from coaches, players, anyone. So uh, I think the, the boys will end up in the States the way Mitch is going, I tell you. Shane likes meeting all the former Collingwood um, you know, s- supporters who he he knows or whatever. We had him at Mordelic like, the other week, and he yeah, took his time out to meet some good Collingwood people. Oh, beautiful! Yeah, yeah. loves yeah, it. That's fine. I'm, I'm happy to put that bug in. <laughs> Can you stop talking to me though? Because Mitch finds me every time you come up and talk. To me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not being fined for uh, talking to us on radio, are you? Uh, well, hopefully Mitch doesn't hear this. I tell you, because he will, he will find me, and it'll probably be it'll probably be a pineapple, won't be a, won't oh. be a, a bit of loose change for you, Shane. Well, nothing in my pockets. You can ask my wife. <laughs> now, I've been somebody sent a text in before. I know. Mm-hmm. I know you're going to play a straight bat with this. The Noble Park job. Oh, that rumour's been around for months. I oh, know. Yep. I'm on your side. I'm on about four years, four or five years. I'm on your side. Yep. 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 Noodles was coming with me. Yep. I'm on your side. Yep. So, uh, so no, I won't be coaching Noble. Park. Well, there you go. And I said that yesterday to to people. So there you go. All those people out there. You're wrong. You've uh, you've scrapped it right well, there. Someone, there. Actually, someone came up to Natalie, my wife. It was <laughs> last week at the footy, and said, uh, "So Shane signed deal, signed deal, or whatever it is, um, going to Melbourne next year." And she goes, "So she said, yeah, of course he is. That's right, he is. You know, you've, you obviously know something I don't know. So yeah, yeah." Because uh, I know they are, so yeah, confident. they're looking to, I think in the next couple of days, they're going to announce their coach at Noble, and um, you can put a line through Shane Maud for all you people out there. Yep, he's, there you go. Exactly right. he's, yeah, he's going to hopefully still be a deal in 2020. Don't go to sports bet. Don't go to sports no. bet. And, no. <laughs> As we won't do. Shane, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Really appreciate it. Good luck next yep. week. And I know it's going to be a uh, cracking DB1 grand final between you and Des Ryan, old mates, but foes. At Linton Street yeah, next week. Michael. Good on thanks you. Michael. Thanks, Bo. Thanks, mate. Thanks, no worries. Thank you. Shane Morewood joining us, and oh, there we go. The gloves are off, Bug. That's going to be a beauty next week. Red, black, and yellow. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be, it's it's... Going to be a beauty. Everyone get out there. It's a big day at Linton Street, Merabin. Again, um, hopefully, you know, the league look at the weather, and hopefully there'll be more shelter and marquees. Um, um, you got to bring your own umbrella, um, chairs. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of seating there, so be prepared. And um, first bounce two thirty next yep. Saturday afternoon. Yep, it's going to be a beauty at um, Linton Linton Street 
Linton Street, Moorabbin. And must say, before we finish up, well done to all those clubs who hosted finals. Yep. Cheltenham Football Club to Cole Anderson and all the workers. Down in um, Division 3, we had Heatherton Football Club to um, um, Johnny Bennett, um, Yvonne McMillan, Trevor Easy, everybody down there. Fantastic. The people out at Keysborough, the people at Mordialic who hosted the finals. That's a lot of work. And um, it pays off at the end of the year when you make a few dollars. And um, it's all well worth it. So they're long hours. And, but they're well, um, well worth a dough in yep, the end. Yep. And even on the, on the side of things too, the, the Dingley supporters, I know Mel Aids, who listen to the show, and the Aids family, fantastic Dingley people. They get to see um, her brother Jack run out again next week in the grand final, and their cousin Danny, who's a fantastic footballer. And um, I'll give um, the um, business car mechanic out in Gippsland Highway, Danny South, a bit of a plug, Steve Unique Motors. So... They're good people, dingly people, and they're all fantastic, the AIDS family. So next week, we'll all be there at Lint Street, grand final day. It's a great day. The and breakfast is on at 9.30. Yep. The brunch, 9.30 to 11.30. Russell Robinson's MC. You'll have the under-19s game on. Then it leads into the reserves. Then it leads into the senior game. So, um, yeah, looking forward to it. Who have you got next week? Who's your tip? Cheltenham or Dingley? Jeez, oh, i tell you what. I've said at the start of the year, I'm Ch- I'm Cheltenham. I'm this is this is it. This is it for Cheltenham. Eighty-five long years later. Yep. So I've I've tipped Cheltenham, but geez, I tell you what, Australian and Dingley, they've been there plenty of times, and um, they've come off the rebound before. And you don't write the ding goes off. They've got a lot of experienced footballers there. Um, Chelt had the week off, so it's a wide and a big ground at Linton Street. So the fitness will show, but it's going to be a beauty of a game. And I just hope everybody next week get to Linton Street. Enjoy 100%. it. Enjoy the week. Enjoy the Sun Football Netball League Grand Final as well. We're about done and dusted. We've got about a minute ten left before we hand it over to Sports Fan Radio and the Professor for a big show. But it's going to be really, really massive our show next week because we'll hopefully speak to the winning Grand Final coach next week. I'm trying to get one of my old, old former panel members on from the fifth quarter, John Bennett. Now, I haven't spoken to John all week, so hopefully the great man can either ring in or he can um, come into the studios and we can... Um, dissect the season all through the divisions and, you know, where the league can improve and what can be better in the divisions and the gradings, you know what I mean, under-19 footy. 100%. And, Bug, thank you so much thank for, you for having me on. Morning. Enjoyed it. Tomo and Bug taking you through the entire morning and a huge thank you as well to David Canito, CEO of Sandy Zebras, Matthew Cox from the VFLW, Aaron Fetter from the VFL, Shane Morwood from the Dingley Dingoes and Des Ryan from Cheltenham. We're going to hand it over now to Sports Fans Radio with the Professor and his team. This has been Beyond the Boundary. Bug and I will do it all again next week, 10.30 a.m. Keep listening to 88.3, Sun FM, Sounds of the